My name is Ian. I'm one of the elders here in Milnerton and one of the elders across Josh Jane because that's how our eldership works. It is not location specific, uh, but church specific. So I'm one of the elders here. And I am really struggling this morning to be 100% sure of what God is wanting to say because there's so many things that he wants to say. And literally every time I speak to somebody, he adds something to my message. So it's a work in progress. So I've asked, I've triple checked with the sound team that they record it because I'm interested to hear how it ends. Um, but please come with me on this journey. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. But before I get into my message, I wanted to just really get excited for what God is doing. So we as a congregation are now seven months old. I quickly did the maths, but we are now seven. I keep on saying six months ago, but it's now seven months. Time is moving. But today we've got more than one team going out to go and work in another church. I mean, that's ridiculous. We're only seven months old. Um, we've got people doing things for the first time and not completely panicked about it. So, for example, um, our guy who was supposed to be leading worship this morning got a phone call from work yesterday to say, hey guys, I can't come to church tomorrow because I've got to fly an airplane. It's something that can't be done on its own. I kind of have to be there. <laughs> and we were like, uh-oh. <laughs> and God was like, no, but we've got what we need uh, for what he wants to do. And so I just want to really celebrate the fact that God is doing something. He's adding people. And even with Le Eddie leading the meeting this morning, Eddie just coming out to eldership again, and just leading the meeting, it's just this amazing sense of God is doing something. And I just wanted to celebrate that um, with us. And I want to encourage us. So with the message, let me get into it. But with the message I'm going to share this morning, just if nothing else, God is calling us to do. God is calling us to go. God is calling us to be. And whatever that is, a, a prophetic word came through just at the end of worship, and I might use it at the end of the message, but God is calling us. So just listen to what God is calling you to and be faithful with that thing. So this is potentially a three-part series. I say potentially because it could go longer. Um, it was a two-part series yesterday. And then yesterday, God changed it to a three-part series. You can see how fluid this is at the moment. Um, but we've been talking as a church for quite a while now about the wellspring of life of Jesus, the, the, the sense of finding Jesus and digging wells and, and sticking to the well of God, the, the living water of God. And I felt God saying, now I want you to go and I will be with you. And I felt like God saying, so the, so the series is called Walking Intentionally with God. Another name I couldn't decide, so I'll give you both of them, is Living Like Abraham. And there's that sense of walking intentionally, and it's a trigger word that God has given me at the moment. If you speak to the leaders and you ask them, like, what's Ian doing at the moment? I don't know, but whatever it is, it'll be intentional, because it's all he talks about is intentionality. And... Um, yeah, so this morning it's going to be a little bit different. So I need some volunteers. And I don't like to pick volunteers, but I'm very good at it. So can I have two volunteers, please? Okay, I've got Devan and I've, oh, the men are stepping up. I was convinced it was going to be a, okay, I'm trying to, 
Okay, Divan, you come stand on my left. Kheri, you stay where you are now. Okay, now, the best part of being a volunteer is you get to pick somebody to join you up on stage, if this was a stage. So pick a volunteer to be with you. It's your volunteer. Yeah, there goes, here comes your wife. Uh, Devon, pick a, pick a volunteer. Okay, David, come on up. Maria's joining. Okay. You need to put this on. It's a blindfold, in case you weren't sure. <laughs> All right, so we're going to have a race. All right, we're going to have a race between the blindfolded man and his friend and the not blindfolded man and his wife. All right, who's very prophetic, so I'm a bit nervous. This might not work now. But the race is to the destination. Okay. I want you. The race is to the destination. Three, two, one, go. And we have a winner. <laughs> Devan is the winner. Thank you, everybody. Devan wins the race. I did not tell you where to go. No, you're right. You may all take a seat, though. I'm telling you now where to go. But don't worry, Maria. You didn't fail. It was your husband. <laughs> He was the competitor. You were just the encourager. You could see David was also like, what is my job as the encourager? <laughs> so that was a little illustration of walking intentionally with God. And I was expecting, I was expecting Kheri to be like, uh, okay, there must be a destination. This can't be it. So I'm just going to start walking and see what happens. But uh, he actually did well to stay where he was because he didn't hear any instructions. So he stayed. But the point of the little illustration was that we are all, as Christians, called to a destination. We're all called to run a race. The Bible talks about running a race. The Bible talks about walking with God. The, the Bible talks about many different things. But, but ultimately, we are called as Christians to go somewhere and do something. The problem is, a lot of us are going where we think we're supposed to be going, doing what we think we're supposed to be doing. Both of the, the, the guys actually did super well because in the absence of direction, as Christians, we should wait on the Lord. And if we hear in a direction, we should follow it, even if it, we can't see where it's taking us. And that is... That is, that is as simple as it gets. I could, I'm not going to go on for a little bit longer, but I was even listening to Josh. Uh, where is Josh? Where are you? Oh, there you are. 
So Josh basically stole my thunder with his message he brought this morning. So you're going to hear Josh's testimony twice in a sense because I'm going to tell it from another angle. But I phoned Josh on Tuesday morning. I hadn't seen him in a while, and I just had him burning on my heart. And I didn't know why. So as a, as a pastor, you, you go like, okay, God, I don't know why, so I'll just pick up the phone and I phone. And I phoned him, and, he, and he, he kind of brought me up to speed with what's been going on in his life. And from that... I got clarification on this morning's message. He got encouragement on what God's actually doing in his life. We've now all heard what God's been doing in his life. And on top of that, he had a prophetic word he had for the congregation that I wouldn't probably have heard till now if, he, if I hadn't phoned him. And it was a sense of, it was a very simple thing. God put somebody on my heart and I phoned them. And all this other stuff happened. And so as Christians... We just got to keep it simple and be like, what is God asking us to do? So let's, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. So um, Laurie, and we can put up the first scripture, which is Romans 10. So it's Romans 10, uh, verse 11 to 13. And like I said, um, if you want to go on a journey, a good journey has a very essential thing to it, a starting point. You need to start somewhere, otherwise you can't really go anywhere from nowhere. So it says here, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. You can go on. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that is our starting point. We just leave it there for now. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And somebody came to me the other day and they were saying, um, I've, heard, I've heard you, Ian, you've said a few times, like, we just need to wait on the Lord. We just need to listen and obey. Surely it's not as simple as that. And I was like, Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> we make Christianity quite a complicated thing sometimes. But it is as simple as that. The Bible says, listen and obey. And here it says, everyone who calls. It doesn't say, if you call on the Lord, and then you do this, and then you do that, and then you do all these other things, then you'll be saved. It says, if you call on the Lord, you will be saved. So what does it mean to call on the Lord? Let's jump into another scripture which is let's go to Romans 1 Romans 1 verse 5 and this is Paul talking to a church a group of people he'd never met before and he's just introducing himself and it's kind of his credentials this is his CV that he's putting out at the front of Romans and he says yeah through him and he's talking about Jesus through him and for his namesake we are talking about us as as leaders, he says, through him, Jesus, and for his namesake, we as leaders received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Do we have that in NLT? In the NLT, while we're waiting, if you can, 
But in the NLT, it says it slightly differently. And it says, um, so that we will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. It says, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And the key there is believe. So in the previous scripture, it says, all who call on the name of the Lord, it's to believe in him, to believe who he is. It says, if you believe, and then the second part of the qualification of, being, of calling on the Lord is obey. But here's the super important thing. We're talking about the apostle Paul, potentially the greatest apostle who ever lived, potentially the greatest leader of the church outside of Jesus who ever lived. And he's writing to a group of people he's never met before. And he doesn't say to them, call on the Lord and then listen and obey me. He says, listen and obey Jesus. And so as Christians, we call to a few things. And I've got a little motto that sums up some of it, but it says, I want to live in the will of God. That's one of my key foundational beliefs. I, Ian, want to live in the will of God. I want to go where he goes. I want to do what he does. And then as a leader in the church, I do it for the sake of the elect, which is you guys. I do it. I do what I do. I live my life, not for me. I lay down my life. I live my life for all of you so that you might, like Paul says, encounter God and listen and obey him. And it's interesting because if we look at the history of the church, and I do need to balance this out because the Bible also does say, submit to your leaders. So I'm not about to preach anarchy, don't worry. There is still a church structure. We do still have elders and deacons and, and other things. And we must submit to our leaders as we follow Jesus. But there's this interesting thing in church history. If you look at it, I was explaining it to somebody the other day, and God reminded me of it this morning. But in the beginning... There was God, and soon thereafter, there was Adam and Eve, and they walked with God personally. And all the way through, if you read the book of Genesis, you get different men and women who walk with God, Abraham being quite a key one who walked closely with God and did everything that God asked him to do. And then Moses came along, and ironically, Moses walked with God. But then God gave Moses the law, and the people of God said, great. Moses, you walk with God, um, we'll, we'll kind of follow you. We don't, we don't want to walk with God directly, we'll just follow you. And that happened for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then Jesus came, and Jesus called believers to follow him. And, uh, and we had Jesus' apostles and the, and the first church. And with that church, God reminded me this morning of when Jesus died and, 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 res, and rose again, when he started meeting with the, with the different Christians in the church, um, he met with just random people. There's a passage in Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 24, where it talks about two believers walking on the road to Emmaus. 
I mean, they were such nobodies that Luke didn't even bother to name them. And yet soon thereafter, the people of God decided, we want to do what Moses did. We'll get a clergy, and then we'll get the rest of us. And you guys talk to God, and we'll follow you. And we're in the, in the process of a reformation, a church reformation at the moment, where the church is desiring and getting excited. The people of God are desiring a personal, one-on-one relationship with God. Because that's how he's designed us. That's what he's made us to be like and to do. And so let's look at what this looks like. It's when Josh was talking earlier, he spoke about walking, with living literally in circles. Like I was trying to track you in the peninsula. He literally went, Weinberg was where I grew up, so I know well your troubles of travel that you've been going through recently. But let's look at a passage of scripture. So this is Genesis 12, and it's, uh, it's verse 1 to 9. And it says here, when the Lord told Abram, and so for those of you who don't know, Abram is Abraham. It's the same person. God just changed his name along the way. When the Lord told Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left. He took his wife, his nephew, and all his wealth his livestock, and all the people who had joined his household and finally arrived in Canaan. Traveling through Canaan, they came to a place near Shechem and set up camp beside the oak at Mora. And that, uh, ooh, and then we jumped. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and at that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. We can keep going. Yeah. No, yeah, other way. There we go. Go forward. Yeah, let's just, we'll go from here, then it's fine. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. And Abram built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. And after that, Abram traveled southward and went and set up camp in the hill country between Bethel and on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar and worshipped the Lord. Then Abram traveled south by stages towards the Negev. And I think that's the end of it. And what I wanted to show you is that often when we speak about Abraham, we, we talk about Abraham, the man of faith. His faith was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham was the, the patriarch of Israel, and, and he had it all together. And in our heads, as logical, civilized people, we assume it was a straight path. God called him at 75. At 75 and three months, he fulfilled the promises, and life went on. That's what it's, that in our heads, we're like, God oh, must... Because that's how we live our lives. We expect when God says something will happen. 
But if you go and read that passage, and, and there's more to it than just that, but if you go read the passages about Abraham, and you take out a map, I did this recently, and you follow the route that Abraham took as God led him, he kind of did what Josh did. He went round, and then he came round again, and then he had kids, and his kids went round, and his kids came round again, and he kept on just setting up camps and building altars, and he just went wherever God told him to go. And he just went round and round in circles. And the other thing that we don't often realize is that when God called him and first said to him, I will make nations of you, the scripture there said he was 75. Can you guys remember how old he was when, when he finally became the father of, of Isaac? Any? A hundred. Anybody here keen for a 25-year promise? <laughs> I worked it out yesterday. Uh, somebody was saying, Abraham woke up faithfully every morning to seek the Lord and the promises he'd given him. And I quickly took out my calculator, because I didn't do this in my head, I promise. 9,125 times Abraham got up every morning faithfully seeking the Lord for a promise that he'd given him. I remember once I went to go get my car washed. You know, sometimes you go to the shops and the car wash looks like, hey, I could get my car washed. This is cool. So, but you know what happens? The car wash is never as quick as the shop. Well, for me anyway, maybe for other people it, it goes differently. But, but nowadays I'm always like, how long will it be? Okay, and then I'll add on 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then I'll come back and look for my car. But I remember we went shopping and we had the kids with us. And the kids have a certain time limit before they need to go home. And they're not very subtle about it. And that time limit hit. So we went back to the car. And I think the car was half washed. You know, if the car hadn't been started to be washed, we could have been like, it's fine. Just give me my keys. I'll go. The car was half washed. And you're like, what do I do now? The kids aren't going to want to do anything else. So we sat there and we watched them wash our car. <laughs> it's a beautiful way to spend your weekend. <laughs> And the lady, and, and we were fine with it. We were just sitting there, and we were chatting, and the kids were fine, supernaturally. And the lady came after, up to us afterwards to apologize. And she was like, we're so sorry for keeping you waiting. We're like, it's fine. Don't worry. It's not like we had anywhere else to be. We were just going to go home. Um, she like, looked at us. She's like, yo, you have powerful patience. And that's always stuck with me. Powerful patience. As Christians, do we have powerful patience? Are we the ones that get frustrated when the person working the till isn't as fast as we would like them to be? Or, or the person in front of you in the queue decides at the last minute they did need that extra bottle of milk. So now I'm going to quickly go and fetch it and come back to the till. Do we have patience? Because we, if we don't have patience with each other, with people that we can see, how can we possibly have patience with a God that we can't see? God tests us in our patience. Because he wants us to be faithful, because he wants us to walk with him. But he knows we'll only walk with him if we do it intentionally. Here's another trick. So I've got lots of props this morning. There's another trick 
that God likes to do with us. So this is a set of keys. It's a very special set of keys. These are Levi's keys. Okay, Levi, my little 20-month little baby boy who looks like he could be an Olympic athlete. Yes, these are his, his keys, only his keys. And it is a very special selected set of keys of doors and gates that we no longer own. <laughs> and Levi faithfully every day wakes up and goes about his businesses. He goes and finds his drawer, because we keep his keys separate from our keys, otherwise he thinks they're the same. So he's got his own drawer with his own key in it, and he goes and he fetches his keys, and he goes from door to door to door to door. When we want to go out in the car and he's not allowed to go with, first he has a cry, then he goes to fetch his keys and he grabs the button at the gate. Trying to open the gate. And it's adorable when you're a one-year-old. It's not so adorable when you're an adult. And God is saying to you, those are the old keys to open the old doors, to walk in the old things that I had for you. I've got a new key for you. I've got a new journey for you. I've got a new place to take you, but I can't take you there because you're standing in front of the door of opportunity with the old keys. And I'm standing behind you, patiently waiting for you to turn to me and ask of me what I have for you. Because if you ask of me, I will give you the nations. And that is not a prosperity gospel. Because God isn't interested in money. We know this because he paves the streets of heaven with gold. God doesn't care about money. He cares about people. He cares about souls. And so when he gives us an opportunity to do something... It's because he wants to see people walk with him personally. I was thinking about my kids the other day, and I was like, I hope my relationship with my kids continue for life, that we can walk closely together. And here's the crazy thing about Abraham. Just to put us at ease, because we're like, yeah, I would walk faithfully with God, but somebody needs to tell me where to go. Here's the great thing about Abraham, who was considered a friend of God. He had no pastor. So, poof, there goes Ian. He had no church. There goes Josh Jane, out the window. He had no Bible. Some of us would be like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. He had no home group. He had no people to go to. His closest companions were his wife and his nephew, and they were not super helpful in the walk of faith. <laughs> and here's the biggest one. He didn't have YouTube preachers. I mean, how did this guy possibly get it right? And we're all like, yeah, but he, isn't he the guy that told the Pharaoh that his wife was his sister? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the one thing he got wrong. I mean, he got a few other things wrong, but, but I mean, if it was me, 
standing there in the desert with no man to follow, with no Bible to read, with no church to go to on a Sunday. All he had to rely on was God and a lot of peer pressure to not because nobody else was. And yet this man left his home, left his comfort zone, missioned for 25 years to see what God had for him. And then when he finally got it, God said, give him back to me. And he faithfully said, here's my son. Do what you want with him. That's what it is to walk intentionally with God. Because in Romans 1, it says, the righteous shall live by faith. It's a great fridge magnet. The righteous will live by faith. That scripture actually references, I found, Habakkuk. We all read Habakkuk often, hey? One of the great Old Testament prophets. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, is that in my Bible? Maybe I've got the special Bible edition that doesn't have that. Yeah, not a, not a popular one, not a big one either. Like when you read the intro, I've got a little study Bible. Um, and in the front there, it kind of tells you a little bit. In the beginning of the book of Habakkuk, it says, small-time prophets never referenced by any of the other prophets. So how he made it into the Bible, I don't know. But like this is the smallest of all. But, but this guy, he was the one who said, the righteous shall live by faith. It was something God said to him. And that's the, that's the part we like to reference. But when Paul referenced that, he wasn't just referencing those six words. Because when Paul references the Old Testament, he expects you to go and read the Old Testament and see what else was said. If you go and read Habakkuk 2 verse 4, before he says, the righteous shall walk by faith, he says you need to wait on God. He says you need to be patient. So when he says the righteous, he means the patient will walk in faith. Here's another funny, interesting story. So on the N2, when last of you guys been driving on the N2, you're driving from the N2 either from, no, not. <laughs> you avoid it for good reason. So as you're coming out of town, you drive past, um, there's a hospital there on the corner as you're going past uh, Pinelands. You go through, there's a chicane through Mowbray. And as you're heading into the Athlone area, you get hit by this beautiful, amazing fragrance, this wonderful aroma of a water treatment plant. Now for me as a kid, so on that road, if you, if you don't know it, don't worry, but on that stretch of road, as you're driving out of town, on your right-hand side, you have the Athlone water treatment plant. And on your left-hand side, you have the old Athlone coal power plant, which many, many years ago, they actually took the silos down. They, I got to watch it from UCT. It was quite interesting to watch a demolition like that. But anyway, there's a power plant on your left. There's a water treatment on your right. When I was a kid, I'm, I'm that old, um, the, the, the plant was still there. It was still active. And every time we drove past that, that area, and that smell hit us, because, you know, kids are very subtle about smells. So we'd all start freaking out in the car about the smell, and we would all blame the power plant. 
Only many, 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 many years later did I get told there's a water treatment plant. It's flat to the ground. You can't see it from the road. That's where the smell is coming from. And God reminded me of that this week, and he said to me, that's how we are as Christians. Seeing is believing. So I can see what God has done in the past. I know what God has done in my life in the past. So I am going to trust in the old car keys. Because seeing is believing. And God says, wouldn't you rather walk with me? Don't always trust what your eyes can see. Something Eddie said in the beginning, don't always trust what your mind is telling you. Would you rather trust me? And when, when Israel left Egypt after many years of captivity, they all knew where they were going. Because they were told, God has promised us the promised land. He spoke to our father Abraham and told him where we're going to go. And I think God knew that. And that's why he's like, okay, follow the cloud, follow the fire. Don't do what you want to do. Follow me. I need to teach you to live by faith. You don't know how to live by faith. The last little scripture I'm going to mention, and I haven't got through half of my notes, so that's more for next week, maybe. But the last scripture I want to mention, we're not going to put it up on the screen. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Most Christians know this, Psalm 23. It's probably the most famous psalm. But here's an interesting take on Psalm 23. Go and read it again when you get home, or sometime thereafter. You're probably hungry when you get home. Do that first. Don't read your Bible hungry. It's disappointing. Psalm 23. For the first three verses, David writes, and he says, He, He will lead us. He will instruct us. He. And then in verse 4, David says, He will lead us into the valley of the shadow of death. And you know what happens immediately after You've leaned on God and trusted in God to lead you through the difficult thing. Immediately after that, in verse 5, it becomes you. You set before me a table. You put me in green pastures. It's that sense with David where he could see God wants to lead us and instruct us. And if we let him, he makes us friends. He makes it personal. But we first have to follow him. We first have to obey. Jesus said, my friends, obey me. So we are his friends if we obey him. Jesus is not our friend. I know a lot of us like to say that. I have a friend in Jesus. No, no, no. We are his friends if we obey him. Jesus later on said, you know, Jesus said when he's talking to people, he said, there are people that call themselves Christians. He didn't use those words. I'm paraphrasing. That one day when they get to the end of their lives, they will call on me and say, Lord, Lord, I healed people in your name. I, I set people free. I preached the gospel. I told people about you. Lord, Lord, why aren't I coming into your presence? And Jesus doesn't say, ah, 
I didn't really like your heart attitude. Jesus doesn't say, oh, you know, you did it on the wrong day of the week. Jesus looks at them and says, I never, so I don't, I never knew you. Depart from me. Literally, God's version of saying, go to hell. Literally, because he can do that. Only he can do that. We shouldn't do that. It's that important to God that we can do all the things of God. We can come to church on a Sunday, go to home group on a Wednesday. We can raise people from the dead. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, if we have not love, it's nothing. It's not the love of like, oh, I love doing it. Well, I would also love raising people from the dead. It's pretty amazing. It's not the love of the thing. It's the love of the person. You can't love somebody you're not walking with, that you're intentional with, that you're friends with. And that's, like I said in the beginning, as simple as it gets. And apparently I'm going to get more complicated next week. But for now, you've got to start somewhere on a journey. And God's saying today. There are three types of people sitting here this morning. Only three. There are people that don't know God. There are people that know God but are not intentionally walking with God. And there are people that are intentionally walking in step, just like Abraham, just like Moses, just like Adam, just like Enoch, just like Paul, faithfully taking every step. And I'm not saying it's a perfect walk. All of those men messed up from time to time. This is not about perfection. This is about intention. And so this morning, I feel God is asking, what do you want to be intentional about? Let's all close our eyes. Where, what is God saying to you? What is God asking you to do? Where is God asking you to go? And like we heard earlier with Abraham, he gave Abraham a promise and he took 25 years to test that promise before he released that promise. We shouldn't be in a rush when God is calling us to see what it is he wants for us. All we need to do is be available if you look at Luke chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well in the middle of the day. And she opens her heart to him. And she changes her destiny and her eternity forever. She sees him for who he is and she gives her life to him. This was an unsaved Samaritan woman who didn't know much. But God met her in the middle of the day and invited her into friendship. So I'm going to ask us, as Christians, 
We like to get busy with things. We go to work. We get busy with stuff. Have you let God knock on your heart in the middle of the day? When you're in the busyness, when you're doing your work, your stuff, are you available? Are you ready for him to use you? Are you desiring to be in friendship? Because if you're not, if you're not desiring that friendship, you are going to inevitably step out from what God has for you. And the Bible's got a word for that. It's sin. Anytime we step away from where God is walking and we don't follow in his footsteps, it's sin. It's very simple. Because the definition of sin is, a, is an archery term of I missed the bullseye. I missed the perfect outcome. That can only happen when we're walking with Jesus. So with all our eyes closed and focused on God, I want to ask this morning, and I don't know, I know where some of you are at, I don't know where all of you are at, but I know that God knows where all of you are at. He made you, He sustains you, He sees everything and He loves you. He loves you with a love that has no limits and no measure. And if you this morning are sitting here going, I don't have that love. I haven't received that love. I need friendship. I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I need to become a Christian. Or, or maybe I was a Christian once and I walked away. I need to once again step back in. If, you, if that's you this morning, with, with nobody looking around, I'm looking around just to, to see who you are. But if, if there's anybody here this morning that feels that way, can you put your hand up and just show me your hand so I can see? Just very quickly put your hand up and show if there's anybody here. Then I'm going to talk to the next group of people. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, I am in a relationship with God. I know God. I've served God. I read my Bible. I, I come to church. But there's something burning in your heart that says, I don't know that I'm walking step by step. I don't know that I'm listening for his voice anymore. I think I've got enough plans of my own. And this is something God told me this week. He said, if you believe that you know all the plans of God, you're wrong. It's not God. It's somebody else. Because God calls us to walk with him step by step. So if you this morning are having this burning sense in your heart of like, I don't know if I'm walking fully in what God has for me. Maybe, you, maybe your mind is racing around and you... And you, you, you I don't know, you just, you're not sure. God is a God of clarity. God is a God of peace. So if you're feeling rumblings, if you're feeling turmoil, if you're feeling stress, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray that God will come and ease that burden, that God will come and meet you, because he's that faithful God who loves you. He will meet you where you're at. And it doesn't matter what you've done. So we heard a couple of weeks ago, he uses the worst of the worst. All the greats in the Bible, pretty much all of them were murderers. Moses, murderer. David, murderer. Paul, murderer. 
And yet he used all of them. Why? Because they were willing to walk in faith with him. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, I need more of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. People standing up all around, that's not a pressure point. This is between you and God. But if you've got this desire, you've got this gap that you know God can fill. Now's your time. So anybody else who wants to stand up, now's a good time. And I just feel like maybe there was somebody here this morning that was nervous to stand up for the first call for salvation. If that's you, you haven't missed the boat. You can still respond now. So if you're feeling that you want to respond to God like the the others that have stood up now, you're welcome to stand with. If you're still weighing up, you're still feeling something in God of, I I still want more, but I'm nervous to stand. Please. There's, there's no shyness with God. God knows your heart. But I just felt this morning not to rush. I'd rather spend time here than spend time with you listening to me waxing lyrical about knowledge. I want you to spend time with your Father who loves you. Okay, I'm going to ask, because there are a lot of you. And those that are standing, come stand at the front. There are many of you, so don't be shy.